Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. So welcome once again to Celebration Sunday. As I was thinking about this day for a long time now, um, really what my focus got drawn to is what exactly do we celebrate as God's family? And that's why we have just structured everything about today around communion and baptism. Communion and baptism, those two incredible symbols. And I want to look first at what communion really means for us. I know we've received it together today, but I want to just remind ourselves of what we're celebrating. Jesus gave us the amazing symbol of his table that we get to come to together as a family and Holy Communion, reminding us of what he's done for us, the greatest possible miracle that we all need. And above all that we celebrate, we celebrate that he has wiped out our sin. Amen. He has restored us to the Father. And what he said to us is, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And I just want to think, what does he mean by that? What does he mean by remember me? He's saying, let this be your constant reality. Let this be the thing that is your focal point that defines your life, that I have already paid the price for you. You know, the kind of remembrance that Jesus speaks of at the table of communion, it's a little different than maybe what we might think of today. Remembrance in in the Hebrew culture is such a powerful concept. You know, we got short memories, right? Anybody else got a short memory today? I'm like, I can't remember things from five minutes ago sometimes. And he's saying, you know, This is supposed to be a part of our rhythm together as his family to keep his sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection at the center of all we are and all we do together. Sky Jathani explains Hebrew concept of remembrance for us like this. He says, in the ancient world, remembrance was not just simply a mental recollection of past events. Rather, catch this, he said it meant recalling a past event so that the power of that event may enter the present in our lives. It's not just remembering, oh yeah, Jesus did that for us. It's bringing the power of what Jesus has done for us into my present, whatever my circumstance may be. It's allowing the power of Jesus' victory to flow in us every moment. Amen? Amen. It's like when the prophet Habakkuk writes and cries out to God, he says, Lord, we have heard of what you've done. We have heard of your deeds. We've heard your fame. We stand in awe of who you are, God. Would you renew those things in our day? Would you bring the power of what you've done into my moment that I stand in? Would you make your power known in our lives again? And that's actually what Jesus was doing that night when he gave them communion, if you think about it. What meal were they celebrating together? The Passover. Passover. It was part of their rhythm. It was part of their calendar was to remember how God had delivered them. Sharing the Passover meal with his followers, together they were remembering God is a God of deliverance. God is a God who who takes things that are not as supposed to be and he makes them the way he has created them to be. He's the one who sets us free. They declared together with that meal that God was about to do in their day what he had always been up to all along. Remembrance. And that's what Jesus, not only what he was doing that night with his followers, that's what he invites us to continue doing every day when he said, do this in remembrance of me. Because Jesus went on from that night to complete his work on the cross. Amen? 
And now we can stand daily in the power of his victory. We celebrate because Jesus completed his work. We celebrate what he has done for us. And we remember, we make a habit of remembering that the same power which raised him from the grave, now is at work in our hearts. Amen? God's people are forever a people of celebration because we're people who remember what he's done. We're people who remember that we have the most amazing thing ever to celebrate. And no matter what life can throw at us, nothing can take us out of his hand. Amen? We're people who live in the power of his victory. So I want to say to us today, when we come together, when we receive communion together as a family of God, it's more than just a symbol. It's more than just a symbol. It's an invitation that Jesus makes to you and me. It's an invitation that putting on our, our trust in him, it's not a one-time deal. It's an invitation to keep putting our trust in him, to daily declare, he alone is my hope. The table is where we come to surrender. It's where we come to lean on him, to lean on someone that's not me. How many of you guys struggle with that one? I know I struggle with that one so much. I'm, I'm kind of a control person. I like to have everything in line. I need to remember every single day that I lean on somebody who's already got it all figured out. More than that, he's already paid the price for me. Table is an invitation to live a different way than what we see all around us. Because, you know, from birth, basically, we have this idea drilled into us. You know, you've got this on your own strength. I can make my life everything I've hoped for. I can do anything in my own strength. I can live my best life, right? We're taught from an early age that we need to be the masters of our own destiny, to have our lives completely under our control, and that we can achieve anything in our own strength. But the reality is we come to find out as we grow older is that this world isn't a fair place. It doesn't play by those rules for us. There are so many things that are beyond our control, right? We've said it before. Control is a big thing, not just for me, but for all of us, if we're honest. That's how we evaluate our lives sometimes. Hey, how you doing? You got things under control or things out of control in your life? You know, I love the way Jesus invites us. He says, you know what? You can have things under control. Your life might be out of control. What I'm inviting you to is to step beyond control. Step beyond control and into a world of faith. Step beyond control and into true communion with me. Let me show you what life can really be like. He invites us to lean on him. He invites us to walk with him, to cast our cares on him, to trust him. And that's not just something that happened once. That's an everyday reality. The table is an everyday reality for us. So more than anything, as we come to celebrate, what we're saying together is, Lord, take us beyond control and into a life of faith. Take us out of our own power and into the wonder of your grace. Help us to fully surrender and follow you. It strikes me that the word for table in the New Testament that is used by Luke here is trapeza. Trapeza. Anybody figure out what other word we get from that? Trapeze. Can we put the picture up on the screen? If ever there's a picture of what it looks like to surrender, is that. Right? How many of you guys would do this? Anybody, has anybody done this? No? Okay. Nobody's been like ran off to join the circus because you were mad at your parents? No? Okay. I can't imagine. Like, I'm not scared of heights. That's a different story altogether, right? What a picture of surrendering. What a picture of letting go, of trusting somebody implicitly with your life. 
Henry Nowen, incredible Christian writer, he used this as his metaphor for what the life of faith looks like, the trapeze. He discovered the joy. As an older man, he went and he learned how to do this. And it's said that he giggled like a child every time he accidentally got dropped to the net, too. Because for him, he was focused on the surrender and what that looks like in his life walking with Jesus. He, he discovered the joy in trusting God completely, letting go. And he wrote this. He said, if we are to take risks with Jesus, if we're to be truly free in the air or in life, we have to know there's someone there to catch us. We have to learn how to trust the catcher. Because, you know, you'll never let go of your bar unless you know someone's got you, right? The table of the Lord that we celebrate with communion, that's our trapeze today. That's the place where we declare and we choose again to live out that our trust is in the one who has caught us, is catching us, and will always catch us when we fall. Amen? Like Henry Nouwen, we discover that we come to Jesus and we surrender our lives again. This daily surrender, you know, it's not about what we can give up. This daily surrender, really, it's the moment where we learn to live free. This is the moment of our liberation when we remind ourselves, when we choose to live in remembrance of what he's done and trust in him. That's our liberation. It's where we find out who we truly are and we learn the joy of walking with Jesus. It's where we learn to fly free. Amen? Jesus continually invites us to simply come to him and trust him. To remember that he's already paid the price for us. That he will never let us fall. That he's got us now and forever. And that's why we celebrate. Amen? You know, it's easy for us in our world to lose focus on the greatest miracle. The miracle of what Jesus has done for us. The miracle of salvation that we have available in Christ because if we're honest, we have so many things in our life on a daily basis that just clamor for our attention, right? We have a lot of things. We got cares of what it means to be a husband, a father, a wife, a, a co-worker. We have a lot of things that pull our hearts in a lot of directions. Tasks, immediate needs, things that scream, this is urgent at us. It's really easy to not do that work of remembrance, to not keep who Jesus is and what he's done for us front and center. You know, our world lives with this mentality. Maybe you've heard this statement before. It's about what have you done for me lately? Anybody heard that in business? It's not about what you've done. It's about what you've done for me lately, right? When you're looking for a partner in business, it's not good enough that they were great that one time, that they need to be consistently great. What have you done for me lately? That's the mentality of our world. Because we do have short-term memories. We always want that next thing. We want something more. Amazing thing with God is this. He takes such good care of us. We usually don't recognize even a fraction of the miracles that he's doing in our lives every day. We get so focused on what we want to see right now. The door that we have to see open. We forget, you know, we're, we're so in, instant gratification trained. We forget what God is constantly doing more than we can imagine in our lives. He is always up to something new in our lives. And if you're walking with Jesus, you know that the victory he's won for us, that isn't a one-time thing. It's something we got to lean on daily. Amen? Amen. We're walking with Jesus. We need to daily 
put our hope in him, our trust in him, and lean on him for salvation and, and sanctification, not for a one-time deal or for some time in the future when we pass away, but for right now. I need that. Amazing thing is this, what, what he has done for us is not an, a fact of ancient history. It is fresh power for every moment in our lives. And Jesus taught his disciples that above everything else God does for us, all the things that we don't even notice so many times, above anything we want to see God do for us, in us or through us, this is what we should celebrate, that he has already paid the price. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out his followers. They've been experiencing Jesus do miracles. They're you know, getting more and more convinced that he is who he claims to be. And he sends them out to go and preach the good news in towns around and to go and bless people. And what happens is incredible. They begin to see revival break out. They begin to see that in his name, demons leave people. That people are healed. Incredible things start to happen because they're trusting in him. It's unbelievable. Revival was breaking out. Miraculous things were happening and they were pumped about it. And just kind of like a side note, we want to see that, amen? amen? We want to see more of that. We want to see revival break out too. But Jesus says something interesting when they come back to him, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? He says this. He says, hey, that's amazing. And you can't imagine what I've been seeing in the spiritual realm while you guys were all up to that. But he says this. He says, don't rejoice. Don't celebrate in the things that you're seeing Don't celebrate that the the spirits obey you in my name. Celebrate instead that your names are written in heaven. Celebrate the greater miracle. That your names are registered in heaven. And we all have things. We all will have things. Many things to celebrate because God has done incredible things for us. And he keeps doing incredible things for us. We have good gifts because we have a good father. But you know, there's a difference between the good gifts that God gives us and the greatest gift, the best gift that is available in Jesus. Amen? We all also have things that we want to see. Maybe you've been praying for a long time for something. We all have needs that only the Lord can meet for us. But Jesus reminded them the most important thing, the greatest miracle ever was the miracle of salvation that he had come to accomplish. Nothing compares to the miraculous victory that we have in Jesus daily. Because of what he's done for us, eternity with him can be ours again. And that's something we need to constantly be remembering. We need to constantly bear that in mind. Like Jeremiah says in Lamentations, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. No matter what's been happening in my life, my hope rests in this. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto us. Our celebration, it may be bolstered by testimony of what God has been doing in our midst and things that God continues to do in our community of faith, but we will forever celebrate that he has paid the price for us. Luke uses the word here when he tells them, when Jesus tells them, rejoice that your names are registered in heaven, and the word is karite, karite. It shares the same Greek root as the words for joy and the word for grace. Proper meaning is simply this. When he says rejoice, he says this. Delight in God's grace. Literally, it means to experience God's grace or favor in our lives and be consciously glad for it. Consciously glad for it. 
How many of you guys can say, I've experienced God's grace in my life? I've experienced his favor. We need to call those things to mind on a daily basis. We need to let that be what defines our lives, what keeps us going no matter what we see right in front of us. What have you done for me lately? You You couldn't imagine what God's done for you lately is a reality. But the sacrifice of Jesus is an eternal thing. Our celebration is not rooted in anything that we've done. It's a lifestyle of gratitude for what he's done. It's a daily consciousness, an enduring thankfulness for a gift that we could never earn or never deserve. The grace of God in our lives is bigger than we could ever imagine. It reaches to eternity, and it's also nearer to us than we often realize. The grace of God, his unmerited favor and unfailing love, it's not something that's far away from us that we need to go running and searching for. It's not beyond our grasp. It's closer than we can imagine. Romans 8 tells us that when we come to him, there is nothing that can separate us from his love. There is not a thing on earth that can separate us from having that love every single day in our lives. And as the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah, he said this, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed from you. Think about that. What's he saying? He's saying it doesn't matter if the whole earth gives way. It doesn't matter if everything falls into the sea all of a sudden. His eternal promise, his unfailing love will always be right there for us. And we may not have all the answers for things that life throws at us, but he does. He does. We might not have everything under control in our lives, but he invites us to something so much greater than having our ducks in a row. He invites us to life with him in deep communion. It's an unstoppable and everlasting celebration when we walk with Jesus. And as he shared the bread and the cup with them, The Lord promised his followers that what he was doing in that moment with them was a glimpse. It was a portal to what eternity would look like for them. He said, I can't wait to do this with you forever in my father's house. At my table, we're going to be together like this. And that's our promise as well, amen? When we come together and we remind ourselves of what Jesus has done, we are being transported in that moment into the future that he has for us. So, we celebrate the finished work of Christ today. We celebrate what that guarantees for us forever. And we celebrate that that's not just a dream for someday. It's not just a pipe dream that we're holding on to when things are hard. It's our daily reality as well. Jesus said to them before he ascended into heaven, he said this, I'm not leaving you as orphans in this world. What great news that is, amen? He said, I'm not just leaving you to pine for that day when I come back and put things right again and just kind of figure it out from there. I'm not leaving you as orphans. He said, I will come to you. By my spirit, I'll be with you. I'll remain with you. Just remain with me. You'll never be alone. You will never be alone. See, what Jesus has done for us isn't just a one-time thing where we say a prayer and it's not just a thing for someday when he's going to deliver us. It's for every day. He wants to give us, he wants to bring the power of the cross into our every moment when we simply live lives of remembrance and celebration of him. He said, I'll remain with you. You will never be alone. 
Because of what Jesus has done, we receive new life by his spirit working in us. And that changes our status. We are not orphans any longer. We are adopted into his family. We are God's children. Amen? John tells us in his first, very first chapter, he said, for all who believed in him, he gave the right, the privilege to become the children of God. And when we trust in him, when we surrender control, we are not orphans and we are not slaves. We are adopted into his family. Romans 8, verse 14 to 16 tells us this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Spirit you've received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Instead, the Spirit you've received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. We belong to the King. Amen? We are children of the King. We are co-heirs with Christ of the kingdom of God. So even when things in our lives go sideways on us, even when we don't have the answers and things are a little out of control, He never, ever, ever stops working on our behalf. Amen? Amen. Verse 28 says this of Romans 8. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. It doesn't matter what's happening in our lives. He can turn it around in an instant. Like Joseph found out and said to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, he says, even what was meant for evil, even what you meant for evil, even what the enemy means for evil in your lives, God specializes in turning it for your good when you walk with him. When you allow him to bring the power of his death, burial, and resurrection into your daily life. When you live that constant, remember, a life of celebration of what Jesus has done for you. Today we celebrate because we are part of the crazy covenant family that God is creating on earth. The big, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, global, and celebratory family of God. Amen? And it's not only us that celebrates. The amazing thing is this. God himself celebrates with us. You know... We look at what Jesus has done for us, and it's easy for us to think, yeah, that is incredible redemption. We are celebrating. But the crazy thing is this. It's even sweeter for him. It's even sweeter for him because he has dreamed of this adoption for each one of us into his family for more, longer than we could ever imagine. This has been his heart for us. And he is constantly calling every single one of us to join in the celebration with him. Paul makes the contrast in Romans. He says, you used to be slaves. Slaves to your sins, slaves to your desires, slaves to fear. How many of us live by the fears that we have? Fear of failure, fear of rejection. How many of us live according to that script? He says, no, 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 Jesus set you free. And now you are not slaves any longer. And you're not orphans wondering when is dad going to show up again. You are sons and daughters of the king. That is who we are. Think for a moment about the difference there. About how a slave views and relates to and approaches the master. And then think about how a son or daughter comes to their father, their good father. See, the children of God are not fearful because we are assured of his enduring love for us. Because Jesus showed us what the father's heart looks like. Amen? In him, we have the perfect representation of the father. That's what it says in Hebrews. Jesus describes the Father, 
the Father's heart for us in his most famous parable in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost son. And I love to just pay attention to the father in this parable over and over again. It says simply this, it says that there was a son who offended his father and ran off. He said, dad, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance already. I'll go now. He went off and he made foolish decisions one after another, trying to find what's good in life, in pleasure. He's trying to find, you know, what is, what is really out there for me, chasing every desire totally apart from the way his father would have done things. None of us have done that as children, right? Only to realize at the end of the day that he was far worse off chasing all his desires. He was a slave to those things and he was terrified of where it was taking him. He realized when he was longing for the food of the pigs that he sat next to, that even the servants of his father were far better off than he had become. He came to the end of his rope. So he made a decision to return to his father's house, to beg his father, just take me on as a servant. I'm not worthy to be a son. I'm not confused about that. I gave up that right when I chose to say, I wish you were dead. But can I just be a servant? Can I be a slave in your house? Jesus tells us this about the father. While that son was a long way off, he wasn't even close to home yet, and the father was waiting, looking, searching, hoping, saw him coming on the road. The father had been so hungry for this moment to come. So when he saw his son on that road, he took off running for him. He took off running. He wouldn't even let the suggestion out of his son's mouth that he could become a servant before tackling him with a giant bear hug and throwing a party for him. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of father that we have. That's the kind of family that we've been adopted into. Because every single one of us, if we're honest, we have left the father's house intentionally in one way or the other in our lives. And you know what? He doesn't lock the gates He doesn't wait for us to come back so he can hold it over our heads and say, okay, make full restitution and then the the door will be unlocked for you. You can come in and earn your way back. He doesn't say, hey, wait until you get everything under control and then you can be reinstated. Our good father goes looking for us. When we're far from him, he never stops chasing us down with his love. He runs toward us, not away from us. He throws a party when we come back to his heart. That's the goodness of our God. That's his way of celebrating. So let's join him in celebrating as one big family. Amen? Because we're no longer slaves to sin in our lives. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're not even slaves to death anymore because of what Jesus has done for us. And the word tells us this, even though we used to be dead in our sins, he came looking for us. Amen? We used to be dead in this world, but he makes us alive in Christ. We have been cleansed. We've been made holy. We've been made right with God by calling on the name of Jesus Christ and by his spirit at work in us. His victory has become our victory now and forever. Forever and for every moment. Amen? So who's ready to celebrate Jesus today? Amen? Amen. In a moment, we're going to celebrate what he's done with us with water baptism. This is another symbol of our faith that Jesus calls us all to. 
and modeled for us. And it's just so powerful when we have baptism together. I love these moments. I can't wait to cheer on members of our family who are growing in the grace of God and are saying, you know what? I'm all in for Jesus. Baptism is a declaration moment. It's a public thing. It's a public statement. I belong to Jesus. And just as he died, was buried, and was raised to new life, I have died to my old life of slavery to sin. And he has raised me with Christ to become a new creation. That's what baptism means for us. But just as communion is a symbol and also an invitation, so is baptism. Baptism is a symbol of what Christ has done for us and that we are saying we're coming after him. But it's also an invitation to a journey with this crazy family that we get to be part of to go deeper in family life together. The family that Jesus is building, you know, it's not a collection of loose connections. It's a true family. It's got all kinds of problems. It's messy family. But it is full of deep bonds in the grace and truth of Jesus. As Scott McKnight says, our family love that we share as children of the Lord is a rugged commitment to be present with one another, to be all in for one another, and dedicated to seeing God transform each other to be more like Jesus every day. We are with one another, we are for one another, and we're excited for what God's doing in each other. Amen? Amen. So today as we celebrate with baptism, this is a family moment, and one that we cherish. And we know that our Father is beaming with joy at this moment. Amen? Amen? So would you stand with me? Aren't you so glad that we have something to celebrate today and every single day because of what Jesus has done for us? Amen? Yeah, you can clap for that. I don't know who is starting the time, but you can go. Let's never forget that the greatest miracle, more than we could ever imagine, has already been done for us. And now we just get to walk it out. We get to walk in the power of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We get to trust him and follow him in all things. Because the Bible does tell us that even while we were dead in our sins, he came for us and died for us. That's who he is. And his heart, his longing is that we understand that. And that we join in the celebration with him. He never stops seeking us out, no matter where we've tried to run away to. Matthew 18 Jesus teaches us once more about the Father's heart. And again, we see him celebrating. It says this, Matthew 18, 12 to 14. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them, even just one of them, wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 on the hills and go out to search for the one that's lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will Rejoice! He will celebrate over, the, over that sheep more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. We have a good shepherd in him, amen? A shepherd who's ready to celebrate, who's ready to rejoice every time someone gets welcomed back into the family with him. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment as we reflect on how good our God is. The Bible tells us that we're all like that sheep. Isaiah says, all of us like sheep have wandered away. 
from his loving care. Like the sun, we've run away from his best for our lives. And maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you are so aware that you have intentionally walked away from that. Let me assure you, your father has never for a moment forgotten about you. He has never for even a fraction of a second given up on you. You haven't gone too far. You haven't gone beyond the reach of his unstoppable love and grace. All he wants is for you, like that son, to have a moment where you say, you know what? I got to get back to the Father's house. And you'll realize that in an instant, His grace has been right there with you all along. He has been chasing after you. He has been running toward you, not away from you. He has been right there all along, waiting and hoping for a moment just like this. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And it can be your day too. It can be your day too. The greatest miracle that we all need has already been done for us by Jesus on the cross. And it is a free gift from God. But, as you know, a gift needs to be accepted. A gift isn't something that you just say, oh, thank you very much, that's pretty wrapping paper, it can sit on my shelf. we got to open that gift, amen? So I want to invite you to pray with me. And if you're at that place where you're saying, you know what? I know how far I've run. Fix your eyes on the Father's heart again. Look at the extent which he will go to bring you back into the family by looking at Jesus and what he's done for you today. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And again, there is nothing magical about this prayer. It's just an honest recognition of who we are and who he is. Trading what we can do or try to do for what he has already done for us. So if you repeat this after me, and again, if this is the first time you're ever surrendering to him, we were in a party with you today. Just say this, say, Jesus, I know that I need you. I believe that you died for me and rose again to new life so I could live with you. Forgive me of my sins and make me new. Fill me with your spirit. My life belongs to you today. And I thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.